We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Alrighty, Pacer Nation, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast. Look, this is not going to be a fun one to talk about because the Indian Pacers, they don't get a victory. They lose 128 to 116 to the Orlando Magic, and it really wasn't even that close, Fachi. This was a game that you just want to put in the back of your mind and, and move forward. Yeah, it's kind of funny to even think when you look at the score. Oh, it looks like it wasn't that bad. No, it was awful. It was terrible. And Alex, I know you're a, a big fan of, uh, hey, you know, you get to be home for a little bit, sleep in your own bed. This Pacers team, I think they overslept. I, I think they they kept hitting snooze. They were not ready for the start of this game because the magic hit them right in the mouth. And I think that you could tell early on something was wrong. And in my opinion, when I saw the magic go up 11-0, I just had a bad feeling in my stomach to be like, okay, this is a Pacers team that – has overcome numerous 10-point deficits this season, but this one felt a little bit different against a young, hungry, and good defensive Orlando Magic team. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the game, the Orlando Magic got out and played their style of play, which is a slow attack the paint, don't shoot a lot of three style. And we saw this kind of happen with Chicago a little bit, but it wasn't to this extent. The Pacers just got caught trying to play the Orlando Magic's game. I think that uh, Jalen Smith had a best said that they took a lot of punches. The Pacers did, but they didn't punch back. I so agree. When, when you're getting punched in the mouth like that and you're just taking it, it's going to be a, bru- a brutal beating. You know, <laughs> Getting down by 40 points at one point in this game, never had the lead, had to outscore Orlando by 17 with your reserves, your third-string team, just to make it a 12-point game. Like Obviously, there's a lot of things you can look at, but you know the players that want to talk about this after the game, it's, it's one of those things where they're just like, let's move on from it. Obviously, not a good game, but... You talk about it. It's just like they came out flat, and I do talk yeah. about sleeping in your own bed. There is a benefit to that, but 
Yeah, when you have four days off after an emotional win like that against Philadelphia, you're getting all this love nationally. You know, you got a big target on your back. You know, Tyrese Halliburton was thrust into the MVP conversations already this year. Yep. And the Orlando Magic were just completely controlling what he was doing, not letting him get into any of his actions. And I think it was Jalen Smith that talked about it, like with shutting Tyrese down, it kind of got them out of their second and third options that they could do because they just kind of like were so focused on getting Tyrese going. So I, I think at this point, it's a great learning experience for the Pacers. Rick Carlisle said that he didn't have the team ready. It's his fault to take the blame for it. But, you know, if you're going to come on, come at me on Twitter for being a Carlisle supporter and believer, the guys went over 900 games. I really don't need to say much. His resume speaks for itself. No. The guy's a good coach. No. I don't have to stand up for him. I'm, I'm not being a homer by saying he's a good coach. At the end of the day, games like this happen. It's an 82-game season, Potch. One thing I could promise you, when Carlisle's going in the Hall of Fame, no one's going to yeah, what about that magic game? You know, you didn't really have the – the squad ready that night. No one's going to remember that. There's so many games that happen. You mentioned 900 plus wins, but I wonder, and, and give me your opinion on this. Do you think the Pacers maybe didn't get up for this game the same way they have that in-season tournament games against, you know, the Cavs or Philly or Milwaukee? Because I feel like Orlando is a team that is more on our level, and I think the Pacers kind of do better when they're hunting someone else, kind of being that underdog. And I feel like tonight they didn't feel like they were an underdog against this Orlando team at home. I'm going to say this, and it's not a, a criticism of the Pacers, but I don't think they're at that level yet. I, I think they're at this point where they haven't proven enough yet to say that they can beat the bad teams and take mm -hmm. care of business like that. I'm with this you. is one of those things where the Indiana Pacers – play up to the level of their competition or play down to the level of their competition. That's, they have that's not what been I agree with. Consistently yeah. good enough in terms of proving, okay, we can take care of business because they should have beat the Bulls. They should have won that game. They should have beat be the Charlotte. Hornets at home. Mm -hmm. You know, th there's been times where they've allowed other teams to kind of dictate how they play. And that's what I think comes with when you have such a high-powered offense and a bad defense. You're going to have nights like that because if the shot ain't falling. The defense isn't going to bring you back into the game. So, this is where you're right. They they lost a tough game in Philly. They bounced back and get a big win in the in-season tournament game. But they were motivated. There was reason to be motivated for that. I, I think with this Orlando game, a lot of it's just four days off rest, trying to get back into a flow. I think that that break does kind of throw off their rhythm a little bit. But I also think you're right. There is probably something in the back of their mind mentally, whether they want to say it or not. Hey, if they beat Atlanta on Tuesday – they clinched the the first group, right? They're the first group to or first team to clinch a group in advance in the in-season tournament standing. So I think the loss actually helps their chances of getting a win on Tuesday in Atlanta because they were so bad the entire game, never had the lead. These guys are going to be ticked off. They're going to come out ready to play and they're going to throw some punches early on. Now, this won't be an easy game. Atlanta's a tough team, and we've not had great success in Atlanta before, but I think that this gave them some extra motive. This is going to give them some extra motivation to be focused for that game. I couldn't agree more, Alex. I have a glass of water next to me. Some could say it's half empty. I say it's half full. Mm -hmm. I am in complete agreement with you. I think, unfortunately, the Pacers played so poor tonight against Orlando, they will be ready for Atlanta and that in-season tournament game. It's going to mean much more, but I just think that the Pacers need to have that mentality, and it's hard to have that for 82 games. That Every game is going to be so meaningful, but there's no, 
no way that they circle Orlando on the on the schedule and say that's the game that we're ready for the same way they do Milwaukee or Philly. So I, I think that they need to keep that mentality of, hey, pretend that you are the underdog every single night. And I think that that's going to keep them hungrier. But for the, for this team tonight, I think a, a couple key stats that really uh, you know had me on alert of like this isn't going well is the Pacers didn't force a turnover until deep into the second quarter. They had 12 turnovers to Orlando's two by halftime. And then, Alex, this was really interesting. Zero fast break points at halftime for the Pacers. Orlando really took them out of their style. And I think that they they just had the, the Pacers playing a style of basketball that they do not thrive at. And I, I feel that that was a big difference of why, you know, the Pacers trailed, I think it was 78 to 44 or something of that sort. It, it, it was a big time deficit. I think it was like 30, 34 points at, at halftime. And and that was enough for Orlando to never have to really look over their shoulder again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's what I was kind of alluding to earlier is that they kind of played the style of play that Orlando wanted to, and they kind of dictated everything tonight. It was one of those things where Indiana could never get going because they were taking the ball out of the basket or the problem. The other problem, 42 free throws for the Orlando Magic. The, yeah. the Pacers were not able to get out and run because they're constantly at the foul line. And, you know, you can talk about the officiating all you want. Yeah, there were some bad calls. I think Ben Taylor's an interesting official. I've never really enjoyed when he officiates our games. I always feel like it's a little bit uh, inconsistent, I guess is the right word to say there. But I, I didn't understand the ruling on the Ben Matherin one where he got called for the foul. They're like, I get he was a maybe in, in Jalen Suggs' space a little bit. But that was a tough call. I just... You know, the officiating was not the reason why we lost this game. I mean, it was not. I'm not even give, going there. Yeah. You have to give all the credit to Orlando's defense coming out. And like you said, they held us to 11 to nothing before Miles Turner got the first two points of the game on a putback on a Tyrese Halliburton miss. The Pacers made eight threes tonight. Once again, this is where you see the Pacers. They lose games when they don't shoot the ball well from the outside. So if you're only going to make eight threes and, and you're playing a team that does not like to shoot the three ball, this is an Orlando team that I think that's like almost like bottom five and three-point points, three-point attempts uh, made, you're, you're playing their style. And it's like you don't have the length to play their style. You don't have the defensive guys to play their style. So, yeah, Bruce Brown can try to guard Paulo Boncaro or Franz Wagner, but he's like four inches too short. He's giving up a lot of size there. So, you know, that's that was kind of how it was across the board. They were never able to get out and run and make Orlando run with them. And I thought Jamal Mosley said this in pregame pretty well, like, yeah, you know, it's kind of going to be the best offense versus the best defense. It's going to be interesting who sets the tone early on. Well, his Magic team came out and did that. I wonder if opposing teams like watch this game of what Orlando did to the Pacers and use this as the recipe to really frustrate and slow down the Pacers because it worked. And I, I felt coming into this game, like, are you really going to buy it? Is Orlando that good of a defensive team? Well, they lived up to the hype. They, they, they were, and they're an, an up-and-coming team that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy watching. This is the first Orlando Magic game that I got to watch in full this year. Look, they're not on national television really at all, just like us, but, you know, when are you going to have time to watch Orlando Magic? You know, otherwise, I thought I, Fra Franz Wagner, uh, Paulo, great. But even guys like Jalen uh, Suggs. Cole Anthony, they looked really good tonight. And those guys are, have been very hit or miss in the NBA thus far in the early career. So I just thought Orlando, they got a lot of length. They looked really good. But another key stat is by halftime, they were out-rebounding the Pacers by eight. And in terms of stocks, steals, and blocks, they had 16 of them. 
to the Pacers five. I just felt like in every single category, Orlando was shooting 59% at halftime from the field. Every category you could possibly imagine, the Pacers were were falling short. And and for, I mean, when you want to talk about just like the, the engine, Tyrese Halliburton had two points on 0 of 7 shooting, but the surprising part, three turnovers to just two assists. We live and die by Halliburton. And I, and I think that it's one thing if Halliburton, maybe the shot's not falling, but he's getting others involved. They just kind of took Halliburton out overall at, at, by halftime. That was a big difference in this game. Yeah, two key stats here for Tyrese Halliburton tonight. Just obviously not great. You talk about the three assists, right? I think he had four turnovers. So I, uh, I Pacers, Derek Kramer, put this out on Twitter. The first time Tyrese Halliburton has had more turnovers and assists since last year on Halloween when he had five assists and seven turnovers. You got to go all the way back to April 1st of 2022 to find out, um, to find when Tyrese Halliburton had less than three assists for the Pacers. And he had two assists against the Boston Celtics. He ended up 30 points that game. What? Here's what I'm taking away. Halloween, April Fool's Day, not good dates for Tyrese Halliburton. So, I mean, look, I would think that you're joking over there, but it's it's a scary stat that happens to be true. Well, here's the thing. It's only happened one time. There's only been one other time, and I think since he's been a pacer, maybe it's been more than one time uh, for the – I know that it's only been one time that he's had less than three assists with the Pacers. Every other time he had less than one, uh, three assists, I should say, was with the Sacramento Kings. Since he's been a Pacer, he's always had more than three assists besides tonight in that game against the Celtics, which was the year we traded for him. And he played like that game in April. So I, I don't really count that one as much, but it still counts. But if you go back and look at the assist to turnover ratio, I haven't looked and seen all the other times that maybe he had more turnovers and assists, but I highly I doubt. It's been that many. So no. I would say it's abnormal for Tyrese to have games like this. So I wouldn't expect it to happen. So Sacramento Kings fans and their not and their broadcast can have fun with tonight's game because Tyrese didn't have a good one because mm-hmm. everyone's been obliterating them pretty much since Tyrese Halliburton had two amazing games against the 76ers, a much more quality team than Orlando. Nothing against uh, yeah. Orlando, but yeah, upper echelon team. So Sacramento, you know, you guys can have your moment, make fun of Halliburton all you want, but you know, in four or five years, you guys can just smile from the bottom looking up at the Pacers because this is just ridiculous to me uh, to to bash. Every, I'm not bashing Sabonis when I say Tyrus Halliburton's a better player. No, it's facts. It's just facts. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. is he better than Fox? They're totally different players. It's totally to different. Them. You know, Fox was all NBA last year, so it's tough to say, you know, Tyrese has never really won anything. But if you think about it, Tyrese has never been on a team to really, that really is like, embodying winning and it's not really his fault it's just kind of been the direction those teams have both been in so you know i, I saw some stuff on twitter i'm just like look if, if the kings fans want to do that and the kings broadcast wants to do that good for you but i think that's pretty shady and pretty stupid it is i love how it's like well, what does he want it's like fox goes to one playoff series it's like <laughs> he doesn't okay. want playoff series. all right yeah i know come on guys how many playoff Alberta- series has a bonus one yeah, I mean, none. Yeah. So it's just like Halliburton was coming off like 32 assists to zero turnovers. It's like, you know what? One of these games, if anything, these are the games. And I know it sounds so cliche to say it, but it's like these are the games that make him better. Like, you know, he's coming out against Atlanta just looking to attack. And that that's what we've seen is like when Halliburton has quiet first halves or, or whatever it may be, the next game he really makes that adjustment and is like, I need to come out really strong from the get-go and really set that tone. And I really do think that that is what we will see. But one other thing that we didn't touch on before is like, you, you knew things were kind of doomed in the beginning. Like 
Rick called three timeouts in the first quarter. It was just like what you knew was just a different type of game. And these will happen on an 82 game schedule. There's going to be some nights where you're like, yeah, you know what? We just, we just weren't in it from the start. This was one of those nights you want to move away from. But I think another positive thing was we finally started to see guys like Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard actually get in earlier. Well, I, I know it was still a blowout by then, but they played in the first half. Not not much, but played a little bit and then really took over in the fourth quarter. Was there any players that you wanted to get to before we maybe touched on uh, some of the, the younger players? Well, I think we got to give Jordan Morrow some love here because absolutely led the team in scoring 19 points on 8 of 11, shooting 2 of 5 from 3, 5 rebounds. A lot of that came, obviously, in that fourth quarter mm-hmm. when the Pacers outscored the Magic by 17 points to make this a reasonable <laughs> margin of victory, but... I will just say this. I thought Jordan Moore, like Rick Carlisle talked about it. He's buried on the bench. He's not in the rotation, but he came in and provided decent minutes. I thought he was okay in the first half. Like I, everybody was so bad. Like you can't really like you can't blame him for anything. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, the guy is a, he's a pro, I guess you can say, uh, comes out and does what he does best. Puts the ball in the basket. Maybe yes. they could have went to him a little bit earlier because the offense was so bad, but defensively they couldn't stop anybody. Yeah. And and that's kind of what Rick was talking about. He's like, I'm tired of talking about offense. Like, our defense has to get better. Like, you know, at, at some point, you know, we can blame Rick for not having the guys ready, whatever. But these guys got to be accountable themselves. Exactly. At what point do we hold the players accountable for their actions? Like, yeah, the front office can assemble a team, whatever. You know, you're not complaining about the front office and the coaching staff when the Pacers beat the 76ers on the road or the Milwaukee Bucks at home. But the one time they lose to Orlando, we got to start throwing every – blame at Kevin Pritchard and Rick Carlisle. It's like people just drive me nuts on social media about their hot takes. It's like, you just wait for the moment for one person to have a bad game. And then we just start throwing the blame everywhere else. It's like, look, Rick Carlisle is not playing the game. Rick Carlisle is coaching. And these are professional coaches that get these guys ready every single game. You know, Rick Carlisle doesn't find the right adjustments against the Philadelphia 76ers team. Uh, and then they, they got there and don't play like, no, they made the right adjustments. They went out there and won that game. So I, I just think overall people, you need to just pump the brakes. It's game 12 of an 82-game season. Jalen Smith said it right. You know, there's 70 games left. It's you know This is a bad game. We don't like it. You, you got beat. It's a tough one, but you gotta re- how you respond is how it matters the most. What, is what matters the most is how they respond in the next game. So I know I'm rambling a little bit, but it's just one of those things where you got you get a little frustrated because there's so many stupid comments out there that are just you know throwing crap at the wall. Just, just stop. It, it's stupid. Like Jordan Mora, He's a good player. You know, we have a lot of good players. We don't have a great players. Our expectations are not, you know, title contenders. Our expectations hopefully make the playoffs. That's yes. it. We got a good player with Tyrese Halliburton. We're trying to find number two. We're trying to continue to build this team. Like, just, just relax. It is so easy to get carried away. I mean, you even heard it. Look, it's fun when things are going great, but then everybody starts saying, like, no, we're not just a playoff team. We're the fifth seed or the fourth seed. It's like, Guys, I promise you at the end of the day, if we make the playoffs, this is a step forward that we're all going to be happy about. But it was never going to be just a a gimme. The Pacers were never going to just come tear through the league. There's going to be steps where they take a couple steps forward. Maybe they take a step back. Hopefully they take a few more steps forward. And tonight, it was was a step back. But I think that so far, we're still ahead of where, you know, we're 7-5. 7-5. I'm really happy with 7-5 right now. It could, it could be better at the same point. It also could be worse. I think the Pacers have rallied in other games tonight. There was no rallying that could really be done. I think it's 
it's kind of not to say comical, but it was funny at one point they cut it to nine in the fourth quarter. But you know, it wasn't the same. It was a purely reserve Orlando Magic unit. But you touched on Jordan War with 19 points. Awesome to see him in there. You know, the second he gets in there, he's gonna let it fly. And I understand this guy's playing for a contract. So nice to have him see, you know, see him have a game like this. But also we saw, you know, Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard, they both scored seven apiece in the fourth quarter. I, I think that uh for Shepard, he had a late three that was nice to see go in. We saw Jarris Walker with an N1. You know, there are little, little moments here and there. I don't think anything to say this guy's got to get in the rotation a little bit earlier, but always nice to be able to get a, a little bit more run. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, Jarris Walker had a really good game, I felt like, for when he played. Obviously, there's some moments where he needs to continue to work on as a player. Yeah. I think Caitlin Cooper talked about how he's always like, floating to his left when he shoots and he's got to work on that because he did air ball three after he had a really nice block on Franz Wagner. So mm-hmm. Rick Carlisle said in the post game press conference that he talked to Jairus over the last couple of days and just said, look, I don't know when your time is coming, but you know, it's probably going to be here soon at some point. You just got to be ready at all times. So you love to kind of hear Carlisle trying to like constantly motivate his guys to just have confidence in themselves, be prepared because as a rookie, it's really hard. You just never know what's going to happen. So uh, it's it's new to them. They're not used to playing this little of minutes. But I yeah. thought both Ben and Jairus really came in and just provided a spark for this team, and they played hard. And I, I don't think you can overlook what Isaiah Jackson did in the bench, off the bench either. No, you really can't because Isaiah was one of those players I definitely wanted to talk about because I, I think in that fourth quarter alone, I mean, he really brought it. I got his stats right over here. He had six points, four boards, three steals, and a block. Really all came in that fourth quarter. Um, I I thought he looked good. I think lately he hasn't really had those moments where it's been like, oh, my God. like He's not ready. Get him off the court. I feel like he's played well in the limited fashion that he's been able to get on the court for. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. So 
Isaiah Jackson just it's tough because he has a really good game against Philly with Jalen Smith being out yep. and Daniel Tyson not on the roster anymore. And then he doesn't even get into the fourth quarter. Like he couldn't I even know. get in the second quarter when everybody else got playing time. Yeah. That's tough. You wonder why. You wonder why that is. I mean, I kind of thought maybe we go like super small. Maybe we try to like just go complete opposite of what they're doing because they got a huge lineup over there with the Orlando Magic. Like they yeah. are lengthy. They're tough defenders. You know, it's just one of those games where you're thinking, maybe we just get a little bit crazy and, and play a small ball five with maybe Aaron and Obi at the four and the five like we did against Philly just to change it up a little bit. Maybe we can get out and run with that group. I don't know. But I thought maybe with Jarrett's coming in, they might do something a little bit different, but it was just trying to find something that would work. But they had no chance of finding anything because there was no spark to light a fire tonight. This Pacers team just had nothing in the tank to compete with the way Orlando was competing. No, they didn't. And then it got to the point where I was like, okay, when, when are we going to pull all the starters? Because I want them to just stay fresh because it's like, let's just make sure that these guys aren't, you know, no, we had a couple days off, about four full days. Let's be ready for Atlanta. I mean, you saw Benedict Matherin late in the game in the, in the fourth quarter. I feel like maybe that they just want to get him a, a few baskets late. I don't know. I didn't think he needed to be in there, but at the same point, he's still a very young player. It's not like he's someone whose minutes need to be monitored. But I, I thought it was just like, hey, that's the time for the end of the bench. So whatever. I mean, at this point, just be ready. Obi Toppin is one of those guys that this is exactly what I explained before. The highs and the lows of just like last game might have been one of the best games he's ever played. This game, it's a very forgettable game. There's no one to blame in this game. The Pacers didn't look good overall, but it's just you want to find a little bit more of a balance. And I feel that Obi was someone who didn't really ever have a chance to get it going tonight. Yeah, and I think part of the problem too with like playing Mathurin that not problem, but part of the reason why he ended up playing that last quarter was. You know, Andrew Nimhard's out, so you got to make sure you, yeah, you keep TJ McConnell healthy to a certain degree, and it also gives Ben a little bit more of an opportunity to be more of a on-ball initiator. So you had Ben and Shep, and then you had Jarris and Jordan and Isaiah. So it kind of gave you a little bit more length too, a little bit more scoring, and I enjoyed the full-court press trying to make it somewhat of a comeback. You know, they were really working hard to they were. give it all they got. So you got to give them credit there. But I think, you know, the game before that, what Matherin have like 16 minutes total against the 76ers. Mm -hmm. So he got 24 minutes in this game. And I think he played like five or six in the four. So he would have had under yeah. 20 again. So yeah. you kind of just want to get him some reps. Hopefully you, you see something click there with him because he's had some tough moments. And I thought there were some drives really in that game where he could have gotten to the free throw line a few more times than they was uh, awarded. He only got five free throws in the game. So I was a little bit disappointed with the officiating tonight overall. Just felt like it was kind of inconsistent, but I also felt like because Orlando was the aggressor, they got the benefit of the doubt with the calls. The Pacers were really reactive while the Magic were more proactive, and I think the officials kind of like shifted that way a little bit more because they're like, all right, they're initiating contact. They're being the more aggressive, aggressive team. The Pacers were kind of getting – I mean, the Pacers had a lot of fouls. A lot of them were just dumb fouls. They, they, but They did. But some of them were just bad calls. <laughs> so Some of them were definitely bad calls, but I think when, when you get – it just kind of blown out. You can't really pinpoint it to like a specific, like uh, when Brandon Miller, like absolutely pancaked Neesmith, you know, in, in that game against the Hornets where that was just a horrific call because yeah. Neesmith gets, you know, like the technical, it's just, there wasn't one of those. It was just a series of, eh, the calls weren't great, but at the same point, the Pacers didn't come out and play 
great by any means. And I think this is one you kind of want to just crumple up and throw away and be able to move on to the next game. And to your point before, that's why I'm happy that it is an in-season tournament game. It's one that you better get up for because the Pacers, I think, have really taken this seriously. They want to be, you know, want to get that extra nationally televised game. And so far, they're 2-0 in their group. Like you said, this is a chance to clinch the group. Yeah, I think that they're going to be more motivated for this one. And I think this game, this performance against Orlando is just going to give them the extra motivation that they need to be prepared for that game. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to win it because Atlanta's a tough team. They do provide some challenges there, and they have a very uh, good offense as well. So this is where I think, you know, you see a team like Orlando, very different stylistically. I think that Atlanta is a team that fits more the Pacers style of play they want to play because they've got some really good scoring uh, with Trey Young. And I think DeJounte Murray is a really good player. And then the other pieces around him, like, it's a good team. Bogdanovich is really good. So you just got to have to come out there and give it your best shot. I think that Atlanta is a fine team right now, but I don't think they're much better than the Pacers at this point in the no. season. And this is easily a winnable game. I think the Pacers already took care of business against the two toughest matchups in the in-season tournament pool play that they had against Cleveland and Philadelphia. So another another tough road environment. But we've seen this team be resilient on the road, and I think that gives me a little bit of confidence that they can win this thing. I'm I'm going to say it right now. I think the Pacers do win this game. I'm putting Bold my stamp on it. Yes, I'm putting my stamp on it. I think that when we talk about what we've seen in these in-season tournament games, it means more to the Pacers. It, it really does. I think that they've come out fired up for those games. And this is a, a butt-kicking that we just received against Orlando. And I, I think that if you can't get up for that next game and respond, then, then there's a, a little bit of a problem. But the Pacers have responded each time. When you look at their losses, I mean, loss to, to Boston, they respond. Then you look at the loss to, to Philly, they respond. I, I just think lost that – Lost to Charlotte. They kicked lost to Charlotte. They ripped off a winning streak. Yeah, exactly. So the way they, they beat San Antonio by 41, I think that this Pacers team has, has done well – when they have really uh, kind of fallen on their face. And that's why I do think they will respond against Atlanta and get that win. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting team, Atlanta. is. They're 6-6 six and six right now in the Eastern Conference. And looking at their past games, their last game they played was on Friday against Philadelphia. So they have Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. So they have three days off before they play. So they had some extra rest. They lost right. by 10 at home to Philly. They lost the previous game at home to the Knicks by two. They beat the Pistons on the road by six, but before that, they lost to the the Heat by eight points, and they just beat the Orlando Magic about a week ago by one point, 120 to 119 on the road. So this is a Hawks team that's kind of hot and cold. They only beat the Wizards by nine. Um, they lost to the Thunder by nine. So they're, they're a team that I think is very beatable. They're still trying to figure out who they are as a team, I think, with the new pieces they have and their new coaching staff and and whatnot. So I'm not afraid of them. I think this is a good opportunity for the Pacers to get out there and kind of play their style. But I'm just expecting a much more motivated team. We're going to see a lot of DeJounte Murray, I'm assuming, on Tyrese Halliburton. I think Trey Young is going to be buried yeah. on somebody else. My <laughs> guess is he's going to be trying to be buried on Bruce Brown. But Bruce Brown was the only Pacer to have double-digit points at the half. So Bruce Brown, I think he could take advantage of Trey Young. I, I think he absolutely can. I think he'll play good defense on Trey Young. But, yeah, DeJounte Murray on, Ta- on Tyrese Halliburton all day would be a big mistake if they went with uh, Trey guarding Halliburton. Because oh, I think yeah, we're going to get an aggressive. They, they no. could throw Murray on him maybe. Uh, not, not, yeah. Murray, um, not Murray. Um, Hunter, DeAndre Hunter. Oh, I mean, that would be another good move for them. 
Uh, but I, I want this Pacers team watching Rocky highlights. I want I want a box of a boxing gloves kind of pushed in there to say hit back because tonight I I feel like we got our lunch money taken from the Orlando Magic. We did, and I think we got schoolyard bullied. And to, and I want to I want to be able to kind of dust ourselves off, respond against Atlanta, and put this one in the history books because it does sad me a bit because over the weekend yeah, you're right. They did start to talk about Tyrese Halliburton as an MVP candidate. Tyrese Halliburton was on J.J. Reddick's podcast. People started saying, look at what Indiana's doing. I, I met up with some friends for a Friendsgiving. People were like, hey, Foch, how about the Pacers? Like, it's just like, that wasn't the talk last year. No one was randomly bringing up, like, the Pacers or Halliburton and MVP talk. So once we finally get that praise, it's so important to then be able to back it up and keep it coming instead of be able to get that praise and then fall on your face once people are finally noticing. How do you handle the success? That's a big part of growing as a team and being a young team with that early season success. I think it's a good learning opportunity for them. See how they bounce back and see if they can handle it. Like, hey, we're on a five-game winning streak. A lot of people are coming for us. Like you said, we're more – the hunted than the hunter now, can we handle that? And I think that's going to you know, show you the growth of this Pacers team if they're able to do that. If they're not, then I think you can kind of say, okay, they're a, they're a borderline playoff team or playing a team, which we kind of expected. But if they're ready to take that next jump and kind of show everybody they can be a top five seed in the Eastern Conference, then that's going to be the opportunity to do that is when they are becoming more of the hunted teams and not being the hunter. And TJ McConnell, I always go back to what he said at media day. He said, People are aware of us now. People know who we are. People know what kind of style we want to play. And we're not surprising people anymore. So, you know, it's going to be one of those games where you're going to have to run a lot unless you do what Orlando did tonight and keep the Pacers from running. I think Orlando benefited from being able to have a couple days to prepare for the Pacers. I I don't remember necessarily when their last game was, but, you know, definitely had, I believe, a, a few days off. Um, and, I, and I think that when you're talking about a team like the Pacers and their style of play, look it up right now. Nah, never mind. Never mind. They played on Friday. So yeah, they played the Bulls the Friday, beat them. But they beat yeah. them back to back games on the road. So that's pretty big for them. Yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say, if, if if Orlando did have, say, like three days to prepare, then yeah, they made all the right changes to be able to compete with the Pacers' fast style offense. And I, I think that I, my worry is that this is, like I mentioned before, could be the blueprint for other teams to how you slow down Indiana because coming out the gates to start this year, it was like, whoa, this team can put up 140, 150 points like that. And I know tonight we still scored 116, but at the same point, Orlando, all props goes to the Magic. I love what they're building over there. Got nothing bad to say about them other than, hey, we, we just got to get back to work. I mean, they might have been able to showcase a blueprint uh, of how to stop the Pacers, but at the end of the day, they've got the dogs to do it, and I don't think every team in the NBA has the dogs no. to do it. So that is the benefit of it. You know, it's just a matchup thing. I think there's a lot of teams that have length and size. Like we saw um, how Milwaukee gave us some problems early on before just because of their size, but Tyrese kind of talked about it with JJ, just like not having Drew really like hurt their defense and made it a little oh, yeah. easier to kind of get to their shots. So. You know, that's that's where we saw Boston really kind of have their way with Indiana was because their length was just too much of a problem for the Pacers. So, yeah, there's going to be teams that we don't match up well against, but I think there's also going to be teams that we can really take advantage of um, and compete with. Not take advantage of maybe, but we can just compete with them because we have similar styles or similar size players out there. Or our style, you know, they don't have great defenders, so we're able to take advantage of their poor defense or mediocre defense with our really good offense. So, I mean, you're talking about the best team defensively 
at this point in the NBA with the Orlando Magic. It's not just a, that's not just saying that. There's statistics. There's statistics to prove that. So you can't deny the numbers. The numbers have said that the Orlando Magic are the best defense in the NBA right now, and defense outplayed offense tonight. I know, and of course you got the classic people tweeting out, like, defense wins championships. It's like, yeah, that's true, because if everybody can score, it's going to come down to, okay, who's defending better? That's not the Pacers right now. It's not. It's just from a defensive standpoint, those were two totally different teams, you know, that that we saw tonight, but – Credit to the Magic. Look, if they're a really young team that was obviously not good last year or the year before, you could see that, hey, these turnarounds can happen. I think that Orlando and the, and the Pacers, the, those are two teams that the last few years have kind of been in that same type of territory. Obviously, Orlando ended up getting the number one overall pick. That goes a long way you know, with, with Paulo. But look for these teams to be able to meet down the line again. That That is going to be fun because – you're not going to stay at the bottom for long. Orlando's on the rise. The Pacers are on the rise. I'm excited. I'm rooting for both teams. But I do hope that maybe we, you know, we're going to play three more times this year. We played them four times. I remember we were picking the schedule. It was like, look, Orlando's going to beat us at least once. We were higher. We thought maybe we'd beat them three t- times. At this point, hey, I, I want to go at least two and two minimum because I'm curious to see, can Orlando keep this up? Can they maintain being the top defensive team throughout the year? I don't think so, but I want to give them a lot of credit for doing it as long as they have thus far this season. Yeah, I actually had us winning this game versus Orlando and losing to Atlanta. So if those are flip-flopped, we could still be 9-5 and five this uh, this month. So the Pacers are in a fine spot. I wouldn't worry too much about it. It's just one game. If they lose like the next four in a row, sure, we can talk about that. But they've got Atlanta, Toronto, Detroit, and Portland. Very winnable. Atlanta's the only game that we have on the road. You got Toronto, Detroit, and Portland all at home. Wednesday, Friday, Monday. So you should be able to take care of business and really get yourself ready for, I think they have back-to-back games on the road against Miami after that. That'll be tough. So that's going to be tough. But if you get yourself in a spot where you feel like you're feeling okay with an 11-6 and record at this point before you you know, you know go to Miami or 11-5 and record before you go to Miami, not bad, right? I, I, if someone's complaining about 11 and five, there's going to be nothing that's going to make them happy because I, I just think that that would be an awesome spot for the Pacers to be in. But I don't even need 11 and five. It'd be awesome. But this Pacers team's 11 and eight or anything of the sort like that. It's just, it's great that you're, you're, you're growing above being a 500 team. We felt coming into the year, it, it could be, hey, is this Pacers team looking at, 45 wins, something in that territory. That's kind of what I felt them that they could be around instead of the people that were saying 50 wins or 48. Like that's a huge jump from the 35 from last year. So if the Pacers could finish the season around 45, that's a 10 win improvement from last year. You got to be happy with that. If you're not happy, you're just never going to be happy. So that's the bottom line. (laughs) Um, But I think we've talked enough about what's been going on here with the Indiana Pacers. I think that we're all excited for what is to come with this team, and we're just going to put this game behind us. So no greater way than starting off your Thanksgiving Monday than hearing me and Fachi talk about a Pacers loss, right? It could have been a lot better if they just won this game. But yeah, I guarantee Wednesday's podcast will be a lot better if the Pacers get that third in-season tournament victory because we're going to have a lot of fun. But we have a good episode coming out for you guys tomorrow night as well. Caitlin Cooper, Basketball She Wrote. She's been making the rounds on a lot of different podcasts. She's going to be hopping on this one. And... We are going to have another food draft, so you don't want to miss that. Fachi, I don't know if you remember that or not, but 
I did, of okay. course. Want to make sure All you're right. prepared. Don't want to uh, surprise I'm, you. Ah, uh, there's going to be no surprises. If anything, I was surprised we didn't do a food draft last time with yeah. Kaylin because you know usually if she's coming on, that, that that's that's a that's something that we're adding some kind to of the draft episode. at least. Yeah, some kind of draft. You never know if it's uh you know whatever we had fast food that we had uh you know snacks during game game day snacks or something yeah. something of the sort. You know, a lot, lot of good stuff, fun stuff outside of just basketball but you're you're obviously going to get a jam-packed episode with some great tidbits that you might not have realized because Caitlin's always packing a punch as it relates to seeing the game from a different perspective than maybe your average <laughs> that, that's a light way of saying it she does it's a light it totally, way yes she sees the game in a much more analytical way than a lot of people see it she can break down film yes. better than a lot of people can she knows a lot of different terminologies for actions and screens and sets and what they're doing defensively and defensive schemes. I mean, it's just, it's over my head sometimes because it's so good, but I enjoy it. I learned so much. So Fachi, go ahead and tell people where they can find us out on social media. Absolutely. So you could find us on Twitter at Pacers pod STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F a C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers pod STP. You can find us on Facebook set in the, Setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok, setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers Podcast. You can find all of my written work at the blue and golden.substack.com. And Fachi, if they haven't already, we need our listeners to go give us a five star rating interview on Apple or Spotify. It does us wonders. I see we're very close to 200 total on the reviews for Spotify. So thank you for that. And we're at 317 now on the good old Apple podcast. So keep us going. Let's get to 350 by the end of the year. Why not? If you're listening to this podcast and you're still hanging on, we know you like the show then. And if you haven't left us a five-star review on Apple, what are you doing? Go help us out. We need your help, ladies and gentlemen. But if you're excited for the Pacers to get back on the winning track against the Atlanta Hawks on Tuesday night, Fachi, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers. Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.